Welcome to Spiritually Fierce, the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Ricky Jane Adams, principal and founder of the Institute for Intuitive Intelligence and creator of the Spiritually Fierce movement. Spiritually Fierce is not just a phrase. It is a movement of awakening consciousness of which we are all a part, if we want to be. In each episode, we'll explore what it means to be spiritually fierce, how to become it, and why it is the revolution in consciousness that will save the world. Join me and my fierce guests for deep conversations on spirituality beyond the trinkets and superstitions of the new age that will support you to increase your power to serve. Welcome back, everyone, to Spiritually Fierce, the podcast, season two, and we are talking about difficult spiritual conversations all season. And I'm so honored to have a woman who's been on my radar for a really long time, but came front and center to my attention recently. And I was so excited when she agreed to come and hang out with me all the way from her home in Spain. I'll tell you a little bit about our guest, Joe Linda Johnson is an award-winning certified life coach and holistic health coach who specializes in burnout and perimenopause. She's obsessed with helping change makers and revolutionaries get back their spark so that they can go set the world on fire. She wants to change the narrative around perimenopause and give attention to the voices that are typically left out of the conversation, including BIPOC, LGBTQIA+, and people under 45. That's really interesting to me because I'm 44 and I think mm -hmm. I'm in perimenopause, but my doctor mm -hmm. doesn't agree. But anyway, we're going to talk about that together in a little while. I think getting that, mm -hmm. that information is really hard. So mm -hmm. she is a sought after guest on podcasts, has been featured on the cover of Inspired Coach magazine, such a beautiful magazine, such a beautiful cover. It's sad to see that has been retired, but I totally understand. There's only so much that Julie Parker can do. Um, and was the recipient of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy CEO Shine Award in 2021. That's amazing. Such a, such a powerhouse organization and such an incredible global organization as well. So I can only imagine that would have felt very special. She's also taken Absolutely. to the stage as a motivational speaker for other life coaches and can be found on the popular website Healthline. Originally from Detroit, Joe Linda, Joe Linda <laughs> earned her BA from Columbia. Oh my goodness. What was that like? We're going to talk about that because I can only imagine what being at a university like that must be. Um, and completed uh -huh. her Master's of Science in Education as part of the NYC Teaching Fellows Program at Pace University. For the last 14 years, she's made her home as a single mother in Barcelona in Spain. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What a beautiful introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Yes. Is, is that me you're talking about? <laughs> I know. It's always a little bit like people sit there going either, wow, I'm amazing or slightly self-conscious. But I think it's like, you know, just appreciate it. Like, look what I've achieved. Look how much I have done with this life. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. And so much more to come. So much more to come. As we were alluding to prior to jumping on this call, there, there's big instructions from God or infinite or higher source power, whatever you use it, we'll unpack that as we go along. Mm -hmm. How you think about spirituality is something I'm very interested in. But I want to begin by asking you to tell me your story, just starting wherever you want to start. Tell me about you. Mm, well, 
I, as you mentioned in, in the bio, I was born in Detroit. Um, and at, the older I get, the more I realize that I really did choose my parents. Um, my mother is white, my father is black, and they got engaged in 1979 when that was still a really big deal. They met on a Sunday where my father was um, a property manager for a church and my mother was attending church because hers was um, closed for um, remodeling or something like that. And anyway, um, they met outside and talked right through the service. And five days later, he was asking for her hand in marriage. Oh my so, God. <laughs> yeah, imagine. Um, they, they met on a Sunday, they were engaged by the following Saturday. Wow. My mother left to go to uh, Eastern Europe for a tour she had planned. Um, so she was gone for over a month, but in three months time, they were married. Goodness. They've been together for over 40 years. Um, that... <laughs> And I say that story because I was raised by two people who, um, even though my father, really, I mean, both of them come from fairly conservative households, but especially my father comes from a very conservative household. But both of my parents have a deep faith in God, not religion, but in God. Okay. Um, a deep faith in intuition and their own inner wisdom of knowing what feels right and acting on it yeah. of love in all of its iterations um you know that's one of the things that i think is so special about my mother is that she is she never judges love in all of its forms yeah. she is just the most open-hearted person I have ever known. And that's something that I've come to appreciate more and more um, when I look at all of the ways that she could have closed herself off. Um, and including to me, you know, as I work with clients who have a, some very deep mother wounds. Yeah. And, you know, here she has a daughter who has an Ivy League education, who could have gone down a very traditional path of being a lawyer, of being a diplomat, which is what, you know, I was planning when, way back when. And um, I have started my own business as a coach who specializes in perimenopause, which is still a very taboo topic, and burnout. And my biggest cheerleader has been my mother, always. Yeah. Um, and she's just so proud of every time I decide something, for myself, when I give myself that freedom of choice and say, you know what, mom, this is for me. I can feel it in my bones. She's always there saying, go for it. Yeah. And that's an incredible gift that, um, that both of them have given me by modeling that behavior throughout my life. So um, yeah, I, I was born in Detroit. I moved to New York City when I was 18 to attend Columbia University. Um, which that was, um, to be honest, it's something that I, I appreciate 
but I also had a lot of guilt about that experience because I didn't choose the typical path after graduating from that school. Okay. And I think, you know, something that's not talked a lot about is when, especially as a woman of color and you have, you're given every opportunity to be the things that are really applauded by society. And instead you follow your own inner compass and make completely different choices. And when I moved to Spain, when I was 25, I just, you know, I started my life from zero. Um, And sometimes I have to appreciate everything that I, all of the things that I've done according to my own intuition and what I knew was right, as opposed to what everyone else expected me to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that came, that has definitely come with um, a lot of periods, you know, as you can expect of, you know, trial and, and dissonance and, and feeling stuck. Um, and having to work through the ego mind um, and make peace with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Gosh, so much in that. Um, and I just, yeah, I just really want to, yeah, acknowledge how how much there there is that we could go into and unpack in that. But I know from the outside and what I have certainly read of, of women of color's experiences that, there is that expectation that you have to not only achieve, but you have to achieve like 10 times higher level than everybody else. And that if you're going to be given those opportunities that come easily uh, to white people, then yes, you should then go on to be like the president's wife or, you know, (laughs) as you say, someone who is going to use that responsibility in a certain way. So to, you know, what, what kind of energy in you do you think, is that quality that allowed you to have so much faith in yourself to choose the path less taken? Well, it's interesting because um, even before I understood how to work with my body and how to respect my body, my body was giving me very clear signals. And I have an autoimmune disease called ankylosing spondylitis which is a form of um, spinal arthritis. But it's interesting because in traditional Chinese medicine, they say that people with that disease tend to be rigid in their thinking. And when I was, when I had that fixed mindset of, okay, I have to, I have to be a lawyer or I have to, um, have to apply to the, the State Department. This is, it's interesting, because, and, and I'm just remembering this as I'm talking, but um, my mom had a friend who was uh, a minister um, who visited us for a short time when I was in my last year of university. And she, she is an empath, highly intuitive. And she said, you know, Jolinda, I know that you are convinced that you're going to pursue diplomacy or international law or, you know, I, I had majored in history, minored in um, North um, Middle Eastern studies, 
Yeah. Arabic, you know, this we're talking back in the early 2000s. She said, I don't feel it. I don't see that for you. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> but the more years that I pursued that path um, or tried to make it work, the more pain and inflammation I experienced. Wow. And I, I'm, I'm very careful because everyone has their own path to healing. But in my life personally, there's a huge relationship between my pain levels and my reclaiming of purpose. Yeah. Because I really do not have any active symptoms of ankylosing spondylitis currently. Wow. And I really do think that um, a big part of my pain came from trying to fit in to places that were not meant for me. Yeah. You know, holding myself to an impossible standard. Um, not this is something I talk about with, with my clients who are high achievers, you know, you, you know, when you can be anything, you know, um, having the courage to choose the thing that's truly meant for you can feel really uncomfortable when that thing is not, um, held up in such high esteem, you know, it, um, yeah. And not to say that that coaches are um, held in low esteem, but there's still a lot of like, what is that exactly? Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and I decided, well, you know, that's up to me. Yeah. That's up to me to show people what a coach is and the power of coaching and my integrity, you know it's up to me to claim my purpose and to shine my light and really walk that path. And especially of priestess as well, you know, that's another thing that was revealed to me um, back in 2018. Oh, okay. So in addition to being a coach, I now have the priestess path. Yeah. Um, But again, going back to the body, it's something that I felt in my heart, in my bones. And the first time I heard the word priestess was actually from Julie Parker, who you mentioned earlier. And I was listening to a podcast interview of hers and I had to stop and sit down. Yeah. It was like this bolt of lightning. like, And I was like, what? And I just heard this voice saying, pay attention, pay attention. Yeah. And that was the beginning of that journey. And so as terrifying as it can be sometimes, it's very liberating to realize that, wow, if we just really tune in to ourselves, respect the signals from our bodies, create that intentional space and time to connect with source, that even when it doesn't make sense to the ego mind, we really are being guided towards what's meant for us. Yes, I love that. And the body is the technology of the intuition, right? It's talking to us if we choose to listen. I would love to know how you ended up doing the work that you're doing now. You've mentioned a little bit about the when that priestess energy 
grabbed you, but how did you move from, mm. okay, I'm going to pursue a career in diplomacy and, and you know, take mm. on that role to actually I'm going to coach high achievers who are in burnout or looking at that perimenopause space? How did we arrive here? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in 2008, I moved to Spain um, as part of a program through the International um, Council of Cultural Exchange, I think it's called. Um, and I was meant to design a bilingual program at a school in um, southern Spain. And the plan was to move to Spain for a year, go back, apply to the Foreign Service. But when I moved to Spain, um, although it was a fairly traumatic year, um, and it was definitely the worst year of my anorexia, which I've been in recovery for, for the last 12 years. Um, it was the first time when I was free, where I felt free, where no one knew who I was. Yeah. Um, and even though I, I lived in New York City, where I definitely was anonymous, when I was in Spain, no one put me in a box other than American. You know, when I lived in the States, everyone was always obsessed with, what are you? Mm -hmm. uh, is that your real mom? Yeah. Uh, were you adopted? Uh, all of that stuff. Um, and it was the first time I realized, oh, okay, like I could actually create a new identity, a completely new identity. Yeah. And I decided to stay in Spain. I was hired by a school in, in Barcelona and um, I changed my plans and I, I decided to then add on another year. That's what I thought I would add on another year. And to be honest, those years of teaching were difficult for me because I knew I wasn't, I was in the waiting room. Yeah. You know, it's like, I knew that I had to be in Spain for whatever reason, because it's a country I hadn't even been to. Um, you know, yeah. it, it, I laugh now because I had a conversation with my ex-boyfriend um, from college back in 2007. And I said, you know, I think I'm, I'm thinking of living abroad. He said, have you ever considered Barcelona? And I was like, I've never been to Barcelona, yeah. but look where I am now. You know, I mean, it's just <laughs> these little breadcrumbs. They just, when you look at them in hindsight are just so yeah. amusing. Um, and, but I was in the waiting room, you know, being a teacher, I knew was not my purpose. It was just something I did really well. It was something I did well. It's something that allowed me to stay here legally, which is also a big deal. Um, and, but it was also painful. And I thought, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? It, yeah. I, I don't want to go back to the States. I don't want to pursue that path that I thought, you know, was for me. Maybe something with nutrition. Um, but when I looked into being a nutritionist, I thought, I don't really see myself sitting with people and counseling them on calories and meal plans. And that doesn't bring me joy. But I had a lot of knowledge around food yeah. as a result of, un unfortunately, as a result of my disordered eating. You know, I was, yeah. I was always researching like, how, what, what effect does this have? What effect does that have? Um, and so I decided to enroll in the um, Institute of Integrative Nutrition back in 2012 and do the Holistic Health Coach program. Um, and 
that's where I, um, I really healed a lot of my own mm, issues with, with food and became inspired to talk about it in a whole new way. Also, interestingly, I was following a vegan diet at that point and thought that that was the best way of eating, the only way of eating. And it's in that year that I was diagnosed with my autoimmune disease and realized that my way of eating was actually adding to my inflammation um, and my pain, which totally blew my mind because I thought, okay, wow. So that's why in my work, the work I do now, when I have people who say, well, there's this, this is the only way that, the, that I can eat or, um, I, I know that this is uh, you know, what everyone says I should be doing, but I just feel so awful. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting how we give so much power to things that we've read yeah. as opposed to the messages of our body, yeah. right? And that was really hard for me to, it was the first time where I really had to say, oh, okay, yeah, I guess everything I've learned isn't, um, isn't what I should be following. It's what my body actually needs. Um, so I started with holistic health coaching, but I wasn't ready to start my own business. Um, and it wasn't until I did the, the beautiful you program, um, which we mentioned in the intro. Um, and that was in my, uh, that was when my son was two. Yeah. Um, in 2016, I enrolled and that's when I really found, because I had, I had, I had given away a lot of my power, um, in those early years of living in Spain and being, I, you know, I, I met my ex-husband shortly after, and he was the hero. He swooped in and made all these things that I convinced myself I couldn't figure out myself. Um, he made them very easy. And when we had our son, his idea was for me to stay home and for him to devote himself to his business, which he did. Um, but that left me on my own um, from, you know, eight o'clock in the morning to 10 p.m. with a baby in a foreign country and figuring all of this stuff out for the first time while my mom was battling breast cancer. So that really got me in touch with my power again and realizing, oh, okay, I, I actually can figure things out. Um, I don't have to live in this illusion that I'm, um, I'm incapable of anything really um, because I've gotten through this incredibly difficult situation on my own and I'm, Looking back, I that's one of the things, and if we talk about perimenopause later, it's one of the things that does come up for me is that I have no desire to have any more children. But oh, I wish I could have gone through those early years of mothering with a supportive partner, with someone who really wanted to witness me as a mother and hold me, you know, in that experience. Um, but everything happened as it's meant to because that gave me the courage to really put myself out there as an entrepreneur. So after I finished the Beautiful You program, 
I realized that I wanted to separate and I wanted to start my own business. And that was in 2000, uh, the spring of 2017. So five years ago, Um, exactly five years ago, because the October cohort just finished. Um, And at that point, I was focused on fertility. Um, I wanted to help uh, women maximize their chances of conception through diet, lifestyle, and mindset. And um, I remember the first time introducing myself as a fertility coach at, there's a Columbia Alumni Association here in Barcelona, uh, and everyone is uh, white, male, and in (laughs) finance or law. Yeah, yeah. In this particular <laughs> club. And um, standing up in my floral jumpsuit saying, I'm a fertility coach. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really like, what, what, you know, are you sure you graduated from Columbia? Um, but yeah, that was a very proud moment for me. Um, and so from fertility coaching, This is another, you know, following my intuition once again. I was really good at helping women conceive. I love calling in babies. That's another gift that I don't share very much, but I love calling in babies. And I'm actually working with a client now who's, she is, um, she's in perimenopause, but also trying to conceive. And the messages that I get from that little soul, um, it's a beautiful thing, you know, to, to be able to do, but I didn't want to be part of that world anymore. And I also recognized that I didn't want to give the impression that being a mother and having children was the be all and end all of womanhood. Yeah. Um, And I had a lot of, women coming to me saying, you know, I'm having issues with my period or I'm having, um, I'm I'm recognizing these changes in my mood that I've never seen before or um, issues with my body, um, as well as the deeper things like, you know, the self-compassion and the boundaries and the, but I don't want to have kids, so I wouldn't want to work with you. (laughs) Like, "Mm, oh, okay. And that's what I realized, like, even though I'm really good at this, it's time to move on. Yeah. Um, so then I, I was a women's health coach for a couple of years. Um, and then I did a program through the Feminist Coach Academy. Um, and I, I have since become a faculty member um, teaching about burnout through an intersectional feminist lens. Uh, and that's when I realized it was time to drop gender for my business. Yeah. Because as much as I adore women, if I'm talking about perimenopause, it's not just women who go through perimenopause. Um, and because I am um, biracial, bisexual, um, and find myself at, like not one or the other, as well as genderqueer. You know, when I say genderqueer, I am I, open to the exploration of gender in myself. Yeah. I don't have any body dysphoria. I'm fine with she, but I'm also fine with they. Yeah. Um, and and doing this work of like, what really is a woman? Yeah. Um, independent of what I always believed it to be. 
And so I dropped gender for my business because I thought if I'm really talking about perimenopause, I don't want anyone thinking that they can't work with me because I'm only talking about women. Yeah. When if they don't identify as that, but they're going through perimenopause, then who do they go to? Yeah. Who do they feel like they can open up to about their experience? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where we are now. Um, and I love talking about burnout as well. So many of us experience the symptoms of burnout without realizing, especially high achievers, we talk ourselves out of these symptoms over and over again, because in the first stage, it feels good. You know, like we run on stress. Yeah. And so stress doesn't get our attention. Exhaustion does. Yeah. But that exhaustion can, if you're not looking at what's really happening and you don't have a mirror to show you, you know, have you noticed these patterns um, creeping in? A lot of us are very reluctant to say stop Yeah. when we run on that sense of achievement and accomplishment and more, 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 more. But with burnout, if you're not following, if you're not paying attention to the signs, it really can come and get you yeah. what feels like out of nowhere yeah. And you can't, as much as you want to go forward towards your vision, you, your body says no. Yeah. Your mind says, your brain, you know, your mind might be telling you stories, but your brain is like, I can't put a sentence together right now. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's where we are. That's where we are. I know I'm like we need 14 interviews really and I, I'm there's so many things I want to pick up on but I I guess I really want to look at this why perimenopause why does this work matter why do we need a coach to support us through perimenopause um, and maybe even what is perimenopause for those even you know those of us who who may even be experiencing it may not have even got a clear understanding of what it is yeah well, this is something that I've always, um, I'll say disturbed. I'm deeply disturbed by how we, you know, if you menstruate, you will go through perimenopause, reach menopause. Yeah. And yet we don't talk about it. Um, and obviously it's tied to ageism. Mm -hmm. um, it's tied to the, the patriarchy and things that, are you know we're meant to kind of shun and but going back to your original question of what perimenopause is it actually starts at 35 with the decline in progesterone but most of us don't experience symptoms um, until to be honest since mood symptoms show up before menstrual cycle symptoms a lot of people will notice at 37 there's a shift but the very earliest change with your menstrual cycle will be if you notice um, a consistent shortening of the cycle. So if you were always 28 days, it, it will get to 26. And then you'll be at 26 for a, a couple of years. That's your new normal. And that's the, the very first sign of your body saying, I'm changing. Then you go through the middle phase, which is um, a relative estrogen dominance. Because progesterone continues to decline, estrogen starts fluctuating. And 
and surging. So you will most likely notice heavier periods, uh, more PMS symptoms, um, definitely the, the mood changes again. So this is where, especially if you already have a history of depression or PMDD or anxiety, you, you'll notice those symptoms really ramping up. Um, and then once estrogen settles down and it starts declining, that's when we get into um, the vasomotor symptoms, you know, the hot flashes, the night sweats, um, the achy joints, the dry skin, the stress incontinence, because our bladder, it has a ton of estrogen receptors. So, um, you know, if we haven't taken care of our pelvic floor, um, a lot of us will notice that every time we sneeze, we, we leak, or every time we laugh, we leak um, as a result of that decrease in, in estrogen, dry eyes, itchy ears, all of that stuff, um, and um, dry vagina. Um, and then when you go 12 months without a period, that's when you can say, okay, I'm officially in menopause. So menopause is one day, it's the um, day of your last period, but you won't know that until 12 months have passed. Yeah. Um, and so this is really a period of 10 to 15 years, this transition. Yeah. Um, and I'm a big fan of saying it starts, it starts at 35, because even if you're not noticing symptoms, at least if we say that, women in their mid thirties are like, oh, how can I inform myself? How can I be proactive? Um, a lot of what we experience in our forties is a result of how we treated our body in our thirties. So if you have any, it's really supposed to be smooth sailing in your, in your twenties and thirties from a hormonal perspective, you know? So if you already have a hormonal imbalance, then it's only going to get worse during perimenopause. Yeah. Um, so it's a really good time to get serious if you're still in your thirties, but okay. So how can I support myself, um, through my diet and my lifestyle and, um, what's in my power to, to do, I'm all for being proactive. Same with fertility. You know, when I talked about fertility, it's like, you might not want to have a baby until your thirties, but start learning about fertility in your twenties so that when you finally are at that point, it's not a crisis, you know, it's not a huge overhaul. Yeah. It's okay. This is basically what I've been doing. I just need to make a few tweaks. Yeah. Um, but what you were talking about, my darling, is holistic living. And the majority of the planet don't live holistically, right? Like we literally treat yeah. our bodies like however we decide based on our addiction. disconnection. Right. And then, you know, to, mm -hmm. to live the way you're talking means to be living in a flow state with your body. And as soon as you start talking, I'm like, yeah, of course we have a crisis in understanding around this for women, as well as, as you say, that absolute rejection of aging, you know, the absolute mm -hmm. terror for, a, for, I'm going to use the word woman, but obviously yeah. we're talking more intersectionally, but women in particular suffer that, uh, terrible sense of guilt for aging in any way. So I'm yeah. really, I can only imagine it must feel like an uphill battle to get people to have open conversations about something that is admitting that I'm getting older. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes I feel like, am I um, totally <laughs> off on this? You know, like, 
I don't, I don't want to, I, I really avoid using the word crazy, but I mean, you know, it's like, am I just totally, am I missing something? Because for me, it's like, why wouldn't you talk about these things? But there's, you know, there's so much shame. Yeah. And for, um, you know, depending on what your reproductive story was, I mean, perimenopause is also a time of great grief. Um, there's a lot of grief in this transition because we're letting go of things, you know? So, but for women who wanted to be mothers and that didn't come to pass, it can, that adds an extra layer, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Is there so and much we have to be sensitive with that too. Yeah. And there's, you know, also like where I live in Melbourne in Australia, I think has one of the oldest first time mother populations. Um, you know, women will regularly, like in my community, start having babies in their 40s. And it yeah. is the luck of the draw by then, right? Like you, if you're lucky, you your body will still cooperate. But for many of those women, it becomes a completely traumatizing experience because there is no way their body is going to be able to do what they're asking of it. There's also the yeah. complexity of it for me. I've um, had severe endometriosis, adenomyosis, PCOS, you know, since my very first period. And at some time, I really felt like I wanted to get to the point where I finally got it all figured out and working before yeah. I moved into this next phase. And that has not happened, right? I'm now clearly yeah. going into perimenopause, despite my gynecologist telling me I'm not, we'll talk about that. But there's a grief there for me in a way that I feel like I never got it right. I never, I, and even though everyone in the medical world would say, this is a failure of your body, you can't fix this. I always felt like actually, this isn't how it's meant to be. And I feel like I should have had a chance to try to work it out. And now I'm coming out the other mm -hmm. side. So it's so layered. So I can imagine, yeah, the infertility part, the part that like, if you have disordered cycles, as I've always had, you know, when do you get a break? There's also that, like, yeah. you know, the way we are taught to believe and think about menstruation is generally not positive anyway, even if we have a regular mm -hmm. kind of cycle. So you're in a big freaking minefield. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, and, you know, um, thank you for sharing that uh, about yourself, because, you know, the, the world of health and wellness is really steeped in ableism as well. And there's this idea that if you have a condition, then it's up to you to get down to the root and solve it. Oh, yeah. And if you have not done that, then you're missing something. Uh, you, you know, you're not making the right choices. If you're not taking the right supplements, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I really want to avoid that as well. You know, there, um, we're not all on the same playing field here. Um, we don't all have access to the same foods, quality of foods, same supplements. Um, yeah. And sometimes our bodies, at the end of the day, our bodies are going to do what they're going to do. And it's not our fault. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, it's, it's not our fault. I always say, you know, I'm not responsible for my ankylosing spondylitis because you know I can look back and say well if I hadn't 
gone to such extremes with my eating um, because I, I swung from years of, you know, disordered eating, starving myself to then binge eating um, because I, I started eating normally. And then when I saw my normal body, uh, you know, when I saw myself at a, I should say at a normal weight, yeah. for me, I was obese. And so then I just kept eating. I was like, well, I've already destroyed myself. Um, so then I gained 50 pounds. Um, but that created gut dysbiosis. And a lot of autoimmune disease happen when, you know, there's, it's like we have the gene, but what, certain conditions can turn that on or keep it off. Yeah. And so I can look back and say, well, you know, chronic stress, um, disordered eating, and maybe this is all my fault, but at the end of the day, my body did what it did. Yeah. And blaming myself for it is not going to help me in any way, shape or form. Yeah. So all I can do is be responsible to my condition. Yeah. I really and when that. I'm responsible to my condition, it's responding to how my body is on any given day and recognizing that I am doing the best I can. Um, and I'm committed to respecting the signals that it's giving yeah. and tending to it, supporting it. And whatever comes from that is what comes from that. Yeah, that's such an important reframe because yes, I've gone in both extremes in my own experience of I failed spiritually because I couldn't cure this spiritually. Like, yeah. therefore, I didn't figure out the message and therefore I'm a bad spiritual person right through to, you know, yeah, I am. I have to push myself to breaking point to solve this problem. And none of that has helped me. And just hearing you say the words, it's not your fault. Like, mm -hmm. wow, what a weight lifted off my shoulders because I have carried that even though I've inherited it yes there is all the you know genetic codes in my body I've got it exactly the same way my mom does I yeah. have carried a sense of guilt that I couldn't solve it and now it, it felt <laughs> like that window was closing and now I'm moving to the next phase so what does that mean <laughs> but it's it's a really beautiful thing to hear you reframe that and also I talk a lot about this idea of it's the meaning not the cause We'll never know exactly mm -hmm. why your condition's there. We'll never know exactly why mine is, but what are you going to do with that information now? And for me, as you say, that's been learning to honor resting and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the absolute awareness that our cycle responds, like you inherit the period of whatever you've engaged in, you know, you have the kind of, um, for me, especially that kind of immediate feedback loop. If I've pushed myself yeah. too hard, if I've if I've eaten the wrong foods, if I've punished myself by working too much, my body will go yeah. into a heap when I do have my cycle. Can I ask you personally why that perimenopause space matters? Oh, bless you. <laughs> um, it's for me. It's like the final frontier. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's the space where, well, I, I'm moving into that space, but I also, you need to have a really good understanding of hormones, which that, that's what I specialized in, you know, as a holistic health coach. Um, but I love it as a, a 
energetically. I, lo I love this time of a person's life from an energetic perspective because it's when the hormonal veil is being lifted and we have this opportunity to see ourselves differently and reclaim our time and our energy and also in midlife figure out like why am I really here and what is it that I want to do with what I have left um, and so you know yes there are the physical symptoms which cannot be you know I do not want to put a happy face on those because they're incredibly disruptive depending on how you're experiencing them especially because so many workplaces lack a transparent menopause policy um however it's also this time where you're like i do not care what people think anymore <laughs> yeah i am going to say what i want to say i'm going to do what i want to do um if you choose to embrace that energy it can be a really powerful time um and, you know, I, I see women who are in their um, 40s and early 50s and, you know, they're being very open about their symptoms. However, you also see them doing incredible things because they have all of this wisdom and inner trust and so much evidence of when they have followed their intuition and it's brought them to magical experiences and all the times when they follow the plan and it crumbled before them, you know? And I think that that's something else that I especially, I noticed in myself, it's like, wow, the, the level of inner trust. And I know that this is just the beginning because once I get to that final stage of crone, you know, yeah. I really look forward to being in my 60s. <laughs> I know that I'll be the definition of postmenopausal zest, but if you want to get to that, then perimenopause is your training ground. Yeah. You know, okay, am I going to keep pushing myself or am I going to respect my body? Am I going to um, believe all the lies we've been told about aging and invisibility and, or am I going to see myself for the first time? Yeah. And one of the things that's really shifted for me is, um, not doing things that look good, but that feel good. Yeah. So even when it comes to how I dress, you know, I know that when I was younger, it was, is this attractive? Is this sexy? Yeah. Um, and now I'm like, does this make me feel amazing? Does this is this in alignment with the energy that I want to transmit? Mm. Um, and that's really special as well. You know, it's like, this is the fullest expression of who I am at this moment. And what can be better than that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, yes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of surrender. There's a lot of grief. And that's why, you know, you, you asked why, why a coach? Um, and also why a priestess? You know, because the priestess, priestesses are meant to connect you with your own sacred leadership and your intuition and your inner trust, um, but also to be in the dark with you, 
to be in those in-between spaces when things are not clear and on, and they feel incredibly uncomfortable, but to hold that, to hold you in that yeah. and carry you to, to the other side. Um, and as a coach, what you just mentioned, you know, my gynecologist is like, I'm not in perimenopause, you're not in perimenopause, but working with a coach, you can, okay, well, let's look at your symptoms, regardless of the label. Let's look at the symptoms you're experiencing and how you can um, support yourself with diet and lifestyle and, and stress is a big one. Um, because anything that you experience in perimenopause is going to be made worse by stress. And a lot of us are so stressed out that we don't even realize we're stressed out. <laughs> yes. yes. It's just the norm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that answer. And there's an archetype that um, we work with in the Institute as well, which is the Marga, who I'm sure you're familiar with that, mm -hmm. you know, who has only come into conversation in the last sort of 40 years or so, or even less, because we haven't had such a nuanced understanding of a woman's life. And I notice even with my students, you know, we work with 13 feminine archetypes. The priestess, of course, is one of them, but there's often a lot yeah. of hesitancy to go towards the Marga. But we also yeah. call her the enchantress because there's yes. an enchanting energy about a woman who gives no fucks. And yes. that, that is the energy. She, we define her as she's unfuckwithable because she's not looking for a husband anymore. She doesn't want to get pregnant. She doesn't need you to pay her bills. She's not a child. You know, she's absolutely yeah. a woman of on her own terms. And yeah. I love what you're doing because you are not only normalizing this or allowing it to be actually quite something special that we can nourish and support ourselves through, but there's actually structure, scaffolding and support around it. So it isn't yeah. just a matter of a medical intervention approach, but actually we can work spiritually, we can work emotionally, we can work through, you know, what's the potential in this situation, not just the deficit of it. So I really love that. And I'm so grateful because, yeah, I'm in this gray zone of knowing I'm in perimenopause, but not like I've still got eggs. So apparently that means I'm not. But yeah, I every mm -hmm. night. I wake up in a puddle of my own sweat. Like I have a period every two weeks. I am like, there's so many, you know, that are, I'm like, who guides me through this? Because my doctor won't, because I don't match whatever criteria. So I think what you're doing is just so incredibly vital. And it is that frontier taboo, marginal spiritual space, as well as the, the um, physical medical space as well. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And, and thank you for, <laughs> I uh, just thank you for, um, for bringing up the MAGA. Um, I, I think of her as the sorceress, yes. um, but it's that same magic that you were referring to. Absolutely. The um, baby crone. It's like the, you know, the you haven't, crone. you're not quite there yet, but you can learn from her. So yes. <laughs> And it's such a powerful reframe, right? Like it stops us clinging. I'm like you. I, 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 the thought of going back to my 20s or my 30s is just torture to me. I just think, gosh, I love my life and my sense of self-awareness so much. And every day I get closer to it. I would never want to go back to that insecurity and that self-doubt and that constant desire to please and impress, especially men, because yeah, some part of me was always motivated by being appealing. 
Yeah. And now it's like, meh, you know? Yeah. But it's an addiction and it's a societal, cultural addiction that, that I think is is really, really taboo um, to, Absolutely. to ignoring ageing, ignoring wisdom. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, um, you know, I shaved my head uh, last year, February of last year. And because I, that was something that... <clears throat> my higher self had been nudging me to do for quite some time. (laughs) And, but I'll tell you going from having this full black mane to having, you know, a silver buzz cut. That was the first time I was like, wow, not turning heads anymore. Um, And it was the first time that I did something going back to what I said earlier, not because of the way it would make me look, but because of the way it would make me feel. And that there's just incredible power in, in, in making choices from that place, because at the end of the day, that's the richness of life, you know, connecting to those core feelings and desires and treating this as an adventure as a playground as a game you know in a lot of ways um i said i i often i often go back to um pima shodron uh and she one of the things she says is you know when you wake up remind yourself that this is a great day to die and that keeps me present as I go through my day, because it might just be, it might just feel like a day like any other day. But the reality is, is that at any time, yeah. it could be over. Yeah. And so I come back to how am I expressing love? How am I sharing my message? How am I being of service? How am I being compassionate and kind? Um, and one of the things that I, you know, um, I, you know, I have depression and it took me a really long time to get to the point where I was willing to take medication for it because again, I was in that space of, but I, I have all of these tools. I should be able to fix it. I the amount of energy that it was taking me to get to baseline was so extreme and this is just in the last year, you know, um, I was like, I can't trust my own mind right now. Yeah. And the amount of energy that it's taking me to get to just feeling normal is so extreme that it's taking me away from all these things that I really need, I'm needed for. Yeah. Um, but I bring that up because there are days when uh, I notice like, okay, I'm, I'm going down again, but I come back to how, if I can't be, if I, if I am hearing that inner critic, that inner critic's getting really loud and I'm starting to hear these messages about how I'm not enough and blah, blah, blah. How can I show someone else that they're enough? Yeah. How can I celebrate someone else? Um, How can I make someone else's day just a little bit brighter? And um, 
that's one of the things that also really helps me, you know, lifts my mood um, when I take the focus away from me, you know, uh, capital I, uh, and I open myself up as, as that vessel. Um, but, uh, you know, full disclosure, my medication has also been life-saving and I, and I, and I stay life-saving for a reason. Um, so if you are listening to this and you're noticing that you're having mood changes that you never did before, um, be proactive, be your own advocate. Don't accept that, you know, an antidepressant is the answer from the get-go because hormones have a lot to do with it. And if your doctor is not taking that broad approach of, you know, looking at your other symptoms, but some of us need medication. Yeah. And there's no shame in that. Yeah. There's no shame in that. Um, because it's one of, it's one of many ways to support yourself. Yeah. Yes. It's one of many ways to support yourself. Yeah. I just wanted to share that because there's, it's, it's, you know, I feel like that is, as, as we're here to talk about difficult spiritual conversations in the world of spirituality, you know, medication is, is a, mm, yeah, it's demonized. Are you sure about that? Yeah. And I love that you're sharing that. And I've been very <coughs> open um, with my journey with anxiety and I am medicated for anxiety now. And I was funnily enough at 37, which when you mentioned that age, that's um, a couple of years after my son was born, but also the, the year that I started the Institute. And if I hadn't accepted that support, I would never have started my big work. I would never have yeah. got on purpose with my mission because I was eating myself alive. And yeah. I speak about it, I write about it, and I share about it because everything is of God. And mm -hmm. when we approach everything in that light, then nothing is good or bad except for our attitude towards it. And, and that absolute holistic, again, that word view, like I'm not taking that medication in isolation. I'm taking it as part of an entire life commitment to reduce my anxiety so I can be of service in the biggest possible way. And yeah. I really honor you for saying that because it really shits me to tears that be by being spiritual, I'm supposed to go against science. I'm supposed to reject <laughs> reason. I'm supposed to reject things that I have an evidence base, even if it's only my own experience that are working. So why would I... Yeah. You know, that to me is religious dogma that isn't spiritual faith. And I, I really appreciate having a more nuanced conversation around these things than just this means that and that means that. It, it doesn't yeah. serve us to be polemical in that way in anything. And, yeah, certainly not when it yeah. comes to our mental health. Yeah. Yeah. So I am going to ask you some personal questions now just to wrap up our time together so we can get to know each other and our audience can get to know you on another level. What's mm -hmm. something that people misunderstand about you? Uh -huh. I think people, there are certain people who think that I might be a bit, um, uh, standoffish. Yeah. Um, in my day-to-day like, -day interactions, I'm thinking of uh, parents at my son's school, for example. Um, 
this is something that I've really had to work at is remaining open because a lot of times I, um, because I'm so highly sensitive, mm. I sometimes put up a wall when I'm out in the world and that can come off as she thinks she's better than everyone. Yeah. Um, when really it's, I'm just really scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. So it's taken, that's been a big part of my work, uh, you know, helping because I was, you know, that's something that didn't come out in the interview is that I was born with a club foot. So I had trouble walking normally until my last surgery at 11. So I was teased all the time. I was ostracized. And that little Jolinda is still very, you know, in social situations, she's, she really has to be talked off a ledge sometimes. It's like, we are safe. Yeah. Um, I'm here for you. Like, no one is going to make fun of us. Um, yeah, you yeah. can be open. You can open your heart. You can be kind. It's okay. But it's amazing those walls that we put up um, in order to stay safe. So that's probably one of the things that people might misunderstand, you know, think like she's so, <laughs> think she's all that, you know, um, when really I've had to work through so many insecurities, yeah. tremendous amount of insecurities. Yeah. What are you reading right now? Uh, what am I reading right now? Um, the Circadian Code is the, the last book. Um, that I picked up, which really um, motivated me to get back into my good sleeping habits. Um, Going back to our, our free conversation, talking about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> that makes yeah. when sense. You, yeah. When you look at all of the ways that um, your physical and mental health is affected by a disruption in your circadian rhythm, mm -hmm. especially in midlife, where when sleep can be interrupted by things like night sweats. You know, um, you really want to do everything you can to protect your sleep, and so that's really renewed my commitment to practicing good sleep hygiene, setting those boundaries with self of that's it for today, um, and getting getting that restful sleep. Yeah, beautiful. If today was your last day on Earth, what would you want us all to know? Oh, that whoever you are here to be, do whatever you can to be that. And that I did the best I could. I think that's something that I would want my son to know. Um, thinking of him and the, the light that he is, he's pure love. And, you know, there are some days where, uh, just the other day I said, you know, Leonard, I'm sorry for, um, I'm sorry that I haven't always been the best mom. And he said, I forgive you, mama. You are the best mom. You're the best mom for me. Oh. And I would just want him to know, you know, I did the best I could. And whoever you want to be, go be it. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let anyone tell you different. Just 
you have a unique purpose and a light to shine that no one else can. And that's something that took me way too long to figure out for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Jamal. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for such a rich and textured conversation. I feel yeah really humbled by getting to know you better and know more about your journey. And as you say, there's so much that I'm sure we haven't even touched on. I think you have a thousand books in you, not just one. <laughs> so I'll be ready to subscribe to that. Uh, as soon as that comes out, that's a that's got to happen. But yeah, I'm, I'm really honored and I'm so grateful that we get to share you uh, with another community, the Spiritually Fierce community. And um, yeah, let's do this again sometime soon. Oh, I would absolutely love that. Yeah, we didn't even talk about tattoos. I know, right? And you said you have 10. And there's like, I, I saw to. one on your finger, the queen. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I've got this, the a glyph for transformation. Nice. I have um, the cross of Camargue, faith, hope, and love. Beautiful. I've got the Vesica Pisces, the, you know, two holes yeah, yeah. coming together to create something new. I've got a bee which is one of my, oop. <laughs> oh, she's beautiful. And on the other side, a butterfly. Yeah. Oh, good. So it, for me, this is stay, stay focused and stay free. Yeah. Um, that I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with duality. I've got a tiger here on my arm, which you can't see. Um, a serpent on my ribs <laughs> and a lotus on my neck. Amazing. I believe that's it. <laughs> you have to do a body check afterwards. I've got a load, uh, sorry, a serpent here on my arm also, who is my enchantress here. So we'll, mm -hmm. we'll have to do a whole episode on tattoo and receiving tattoo because it is, uh, for me, a very sacred thing. And every tattoo, as yours is, is symbolic and has um, purpose. I always get so confused by those places that remove tattoo. And I'm like, why would you ever have committed to that if it was something that you would erase like I just don't get it because to mm -hmm. me everyone is so much part of my body now it's like saying I'd cut my hand off because I'm done with my hand I don't mm -hmm. understand it so yes let's have yeah. a let's have a whole conversation on the meaning <laughs> of all of your tattoos thank you everybody for joining us so much love to you all In 2022, the Institute for Intuitive Intelligence is bringing you a whole new way to get qualified as a professional intuitive. The Intuitive Intelligence Method Accreditation is a 100-hour training program, including personal development, professional development, and spiritual development that will take your skills as an intuitive to the level of superconscious. This program is available online and in person across a range of different dates and deliveries in 2022 and 2023. We'd love for you to head to the instituteforintuitiveintelligence.com to find out more about how you can get qualified faster and more efficiently to increase your power to serve.